are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I preach right much around home. God has given me an unusual ministry, and I'm grateful. I'm pastoring about two and a half miles from where I was born. I heard a brother, one of the fellows asked, one of the fellows here on the, on the platform this morning, we came in, he said, where was you, where was you born at? He said, in Alabama. And he said, well, I was born in a hospital. I thought he was pretty smart, you know, but, uh, but I was actually born in a, in a home, in a house, in my grandmother's house, two and a half miles from where I'm pastoring. Kind of unusual, been there all my life. Uh, I was saved about two and a half miles from my home church. Is about two and a half miles away. It wasn't a split or anything. I can remember when a man came in the area 40, nearly 41 years ago and set up a gospel tent and started uh, preaching. And Gospel Light Baptist Church was organized out of that with nine members. And they built a little cement block building. Got them three-fourths of an acre of land. They built a little block building. And uh, I knew the pastor, the man who was doing the preaching, the tent preaching. He became their pastor. He stayed for seven years. I used to visit Gospel Light, but never knowed I'd become pastor there. In their meetings, they'd have Dr. Seitler, Mays Jackson, some of those fellows. And I'd go listen to them preach. And uh, so then this man felt the, the calling into evangelism. And, in, and he recommended me as pastor, and they called me. I never thought how long I'd stay there. I never thought a thing about where the church would grow. I just wanted to preach. And you know, I, I think if we'll just be faithful where God has placed us, God will do the adding if we'll do the faithfulness. And so that was the first Sunday in July 1956. I was my first Sunday at Gospel Light. We had 153 in Sunday school that Sunday. Little cement block building, God blessed. Oh, I could, it would take me an hour. Pastor said something about me, telling just a little bit about the church. But it would take me probably an hour, but the Lord has had his hand on the work down through the years. We had no place to baptize. We had no baptistry. The people didn't believe in getting baptized inside. They had to go out and run in water. You get those old country people that have traditions, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, they wanted to go to the River of Jordan if possible, you know. They, yeah. So you have to preach a little bit and tell them what the meaning of baptism is, you know. And, but we used, to, we used to go out to the creek and baptize. We'd wait till summertime and uh, baptize. I've noticed baptize 100 people on a Sunday afternoon, you know, out in a, an old fish pond somewhere. And uh, we did that for years. And God blessed and we added on to the little church and God kept blessing and we prayed and prayed and prayed. Let me say this. You know, you, you, you think you're praying in God's will sometime, but you may not be. I won't add this to my message of prayer this morning, but I didn't get that far along. But we must pray according to the will of God. God knows the future, and we don't. Here we are sitting in the forks of two little dirt roads with three-fourths of an acre of land. The church had started a cemetery in the back before I came there, and it had two people buried there. And we got permission to move those graves at the back of the little cemetery 
So we took half of our cemetery and built an addition on a little block building. We were like you folks. We had no parking place. Just wherever we could get one, we'd put it. And uh, we had some all-night prayer meetings. Now follow me on this thought, and I'll preach in a little while. I won't preach long, but here we are in the, right in the middle of the, I'm talking about out in the country, and no, nobody hardly goes out these little dirt roads, and our little block building sitting in the middle. Okay, now over here is a beautiful field. Well, I, I got it all in my mind. Now I said, if we, after we're done built onto the building, I said, we can't walk off and leave this building. Now, if we could buy a two acres from that man, no traffic on this little dirt road, a street, or whatever you want to call it, no traffic there, and so we could build us a, a, an auditorium over there and step across the road for Sunday school. And so we'd have all night prayer meetings. I had 15 men meet with me. I wouldn't be 24 years old, and you can stay up day and night when you're that young. And we'd pray on Saturday night. I mean, all night. I don't mean we'd pray and take a break and eat a donut. Be honest with you. In those days, if we'd have eat a donut or drunk a cup of coffee in the house of God, we'd have thought it was a sin. That's right. So we'd start about 9 o'clock on Saturday night and pray all night and beg God to give us that land. On Monday, I'd go see the man who owned it, and he, he wouldn't say no, and he wouldn't say yes. He'd say, well, now, you know I'm a farmer, and he said, I, I have to make my living farming. Let me think about it a little while longer. And I'd say, well, you've been thinking about it. You know, we need that. Can't he said, I know it. People were standing. Our little building had, uh, had uh, windows, those roll-out windows, and people would stand and look in those windows. And we kept, we kept chairs all the time, never moved them, out of the order to them all the time, everywhere we could put one. And uh, the ushers would tell me every once in a while, preachers and people drove off, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't you know where to park. That was heartbreaking. You think you can't stand it. And, I, and, I, and that man wouldn't let us have that land. He'd keep putting me off. And one morning, one Monday morning, I was standing, not much of a yard really in, at the building, not much, but standing beside the building just looking around. There's a car pulled up, and uh, this fella got out, and he said, I pass here on Sunday right much. I go into Winston-Salem, the church, and looks like you folks really need some room here. And I said, sir, we really do. We've been praying. We've been trying to get two acres right over there. If that man would let us have it, we could build us a church. And, and he said, uh, well, I, I'll tell you, he said, there's a man owns this field right up the road. I don't know, maybe 600, 700 feet. Right up the road, he said, I th it's a cornfield. He said, I think it has about 10, 10, 10, 11 acres in it. And he told me where the man lived. And he said, if you go talk to him, he may let you have it. And I went to talk to the man. And the man said, I don't really want to sell it. But he said, I, uh, I've heard about that church and you need room. Now, I'm talking about 30, 30, 31 years ago now. 31 years, I guess. And he said, it's ten and a half acres there. He said, I will let your church have it. I wouldn't take less than a thousand an acre. But he said, I'll let your church have it for ten thousand. And uh, I took it back to my deacons and we talked about it. We had ten thousand and three hundred dollars in our treasure. And we voted to buy the land and we paid cash. We had three hundred dollars left. We had a man in our church who uh, came from West Virginia uh, he and his three sons uh, built houses. They were, he was a contractor, not of churches, but houses. 
And I approached him, and, and I said, Brother Grace, I said, could you build us a building? He said, I think so. I said, well, give us some idea. We need some room. And he took a paper sack and, and tore it apart, and he drawed out a plan on it. And those days, you didn't have to go through the government for everything. And, uh, and he drawed us out an auditorium seat a 1,000. And I brought it, I got me a, uh, not a pulpit, but a, a building committee and my deacons, and we looked at it, and we approved it, and brought it before the church. And he said, now, I don't have any money, but he said, I do have good, good credit. He said, uh, I, I, I can pay, he said, I pay my boys by the week to work for me, and I can pay them several months without getting any income myself. And he says, I have a good credit with all the builders, and I can hold off the brick uh, men and so on and so forth for a while. So we voted for him to build that building, him and his, and his three boys, and he started to work on it, and they built it. And uh, when we got through, that building cost us $68,000. And uh, we borrowed 50000 on it. We waited, we got that built. We, would, we had a, we have a, we have a, a classrooms in the basement, and we'd go back to the old building with part of our Sunday school and then back up here. And God blessed, and we've done that two or three times. Then later we built the educational building on the back of it. And then some years passed, and we took the 40 feet out of the side of it and went back 60 feet. And we built a, an addition, seated 400 people. And uh, for years, I guess 15 years, I preached like this to these folks and these folks. So we had a 1,400-seat auditorium. Then in the bus ministry, and then the bus garage, and then the guest rooms, and just different things. And the cafeteria got into school, worked about 18 years ago, and, and uh, the gymnasium, and, and all those things. And God's been good through the years, and I praise Him for it. And uh, we, as I told you this morning, I think, we wanted to build a new auditorium, but we'd built all, on all the land we had uh, that was really uh, permissible to build on. We needed the seven acres, and the Lord opened up that uh, some two or three years ago, and now we have a beautiful sanctuary. And back years ago, the parsonage was a thing, you know, and so I lived in my own little home about two and a half miles away, and they kept wanting to build us a house. So 24 years ago, the church built a parsonage right beside the church. I live in a big two uh, big uh, three-bedroom uh, parsonage. Oh, I done forgot how many square feet in that thing. Got two and a half baths. And, and all our kids were at home at that time. We needed it. Now it's just my wife and I. And uh, we get lost in it now. You know, She said every once in a while, she says, Honey, this thing's just too large for us. I said, You can't cut it in two. You just can't do it. It's here, you know, and we'll live in it. But now we're in the middle here, and uh, our school is behind it. Our old church building, now the little block building still down the road. Uh, we've renovated that. Uh, we have about 175 school kids there. We bus them up to the other, to the cafeteria and so on. But uh, what I started to say is this. My wife said some time ago, said we should live right. There's a church on both sides of us now. Our old church is over here. Our new building's over here. Our gymnasium's behind us. Don't have too much privacy, but we enjoy it. And the churches offered to buy us a house and get us out of that place. And, and I said, this is home right here. I like it. And then, of course, our son, the church built one eight, eight or nine years ago. 
way down in behind the church for Steve and his family. So the preacher asked me this morning just to share those things with you and to God be the glory for everything he's done at Gospel Light Baptist Church. And I want to say this, and I'm going to read my scripture. You stand behind your pastor. You've got a man who loves the Lord. I don't have to be around a man long to know where he loves God. He's not here waiting for another door open. I get so tired of that. Out our way, it's Brother Robertson. Do you know where I can get a church? Uh, these old deacons or this old church, they won't do this or they won't do that. And Folks, we're living in a day when everything is commercialized. I can remember back yonder when the school teachers, and some of them do yet, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about public school teachers. When kids missed school, they went home to see where they're at. They was in it because it was a calling. I remember when the doctors, and some do it now, not many, but I remember when the doctors used to go and sit up all night if I had to with a patient, try to keep them alive, but now if you can get there between 9 and 5, just forget it. And I remember a time when those old mountain preachers would get up and preach for souls and, and love their people and, and had their heart in it, but it's got too mechanical now and too much of that. And you stay with your pastor. He has your uh, he's a pastor. He has a pastor's heart. When he was sitting here, or when I was sitting there, and he was standing here talking about calling these men out at, uh, that retired and calling different ones and all, I said, thank God we've got some pastors today. And uh, I appreciate that very much. Now, if you ever come to North Carolina, come into Winston-Salem area, just look in the telephone directory, in the Walkertown Exchange. And my number's there. I've had the same number for 30-some years. And you'll find my name, and I'll tell you how to get to the church. And we'll do our best to feed you some pinto beans and cornbread. Amen. Amen. And give you a North Carolina hot dog. And it won't have just mustard and ketchup either. It'll have onions and slaw and chili and everything else with it. Amen. Boy, that's preaching, isn't it? So uh, you, you come be with us any kind of skin. Now, I want to speak to you tonight for a little while. Let me get my watch out here. don't mean anything, but I can't see that. <laughs> I can't see that one back there either, but I can see this one. I, I want to speak to you a little while tonight on this thought, how to enjoy the good life God's given us. Now, folks, it's wonderful to be saved. Jesus said, I come that you might have life, and he didn't stop there. He said that, but you might have it more abundantly. The happiest people in the world ought to be Christian people. I mean, we know where we're going. <laughs> we have peace in our hearts. We have a Heavenly Father we can talk to every day about our problems. We have a God who's promised His grace was sufficient. We've got a God who says that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. I mean, we've got it made, if you'll just stop and think about it. And we ought to enjoy this good life. Now, review back with me just a minute. I'm just going to go kind of verse by verse tonight. But uh, you remember when Moses died in the first chapter of Joshua. When Moses died, uh, Joshua was his assistant. And the Lord told him, he said, Now I want you to take over and lead these people across the river of Jordan. Jordan is a type of death. And take them over into the land that I've promised. The promised land is not a type of heaven. It's a type of the place of victory for the child of God. And we Christians have to die daily to get into that land. Now that I'll be honest with you, you are your worst enemy. I'm my worst enemy. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. 
That's hard to do. Dr. John Rice used to say, as he looked over his glasses, you know, he said, you nail self to the cross today, and he'll, he says that booger will wiggle down by tomorrow. And that's true. That's true. Die to self. You say, somebody hurt my feelings. Well, if you're dead, you wouldn't have any feelings. So keep that in mind, you see. And the Lord told Joshua, he said, now listen, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And the same Bible that Moses used, the same commandments that Moses used, I want you to use the same thing. I found out, brother, when something works, don't break it. Don't just let it work. And there's nothing wrong with the King James Version of the Bible. This morning I turned the TV on in the motel room, and my, thank you for that beautiful motel room. That's one of the nicest ones I've ever been in. All the goodies and everything there has been wonderful. But I, I turned on this morning, and some guy read his scripture, and he said, Now, I'm going to read out of the American And he went on, and I don't know. I just, you know, I just finally turned the thing off. I, 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 you say, preacher, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty fanatic about it. I, I, you know, when I was a boy and I got saved, you didn't say which Bible. The Bible's the Bible, you see. And God has preserved this book right here for you and I today. And don't you get so smart. Some of you kids don't go off to college now that uh, it tells you three or four other kind of uh, translations are better than this and come back here and think your pastor's a nut. Don't you do that. I mean, you just stay away from them kind of colleges. And, and let me say something else about this while I'm talking to you. Don't you never go off somewhere and, and get this old stiff, starchy music and come back and sit down here and say, well, our crowd don't know much around here. Now, we've had that to happen a few colleges, you know. I mean, so stiff and starchy. I tell them at the church, I tell our college kids to come home in the summertime. I said, now, bless your heart. We're glad to have you. But I said, leave your, leave your music in the college. We don't need it in our church. I like old-fashioned music. It warms your heart, brother, and stirs your heart. That's what I'm talking about. Don't never get formal. I believe everything ought to be done in decent and in order. Uh, but, my friend, don't never get formal. Just uh, go right ahead, right down the line like you're going. That's what I'm talking about. So the Lord told Joshua, he said, Now, just like Moses, you don't have to improve on what Moses done. I mean, it worked for him, son, it worked for you. And he said, Now, I want you to get over in that land of promise. But now, wait a minute, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of ites over there. Them old Hittites and Jebusites and all them. I mean, boy, there's a lot of ites you got to fight before you get it, that land of promise. Now, that's a place flowing with milk and honey. A lot of, lot of battles to be fought. You got to get across the place of death, across the river of Jordan to get over there. And uh, then after you get it whipped, you can enjoy the land that flows with milk and honey. Let me tell you this right quick. See, I may never get to come back. Let me tell you, i got so much I want to tell you tonight. We used to have Brother Lester Roloff. How many of you ever heard us on the radio or something? Brother Roloff used to come to our church about three times a year. He called uh, our church his stopping over place in, the, in Winston-Salem area. My, what a man Lester Roloff was. Oh, what a godly man. But you know, he had sweet, such a sweet sense of humor. And he and I would go out somewhere, you know, and talk and uh, I couldn't eat much like he did but uh, anyhow we we made it and uh, brother Roloff you know I'd cut up him he'd cut, he'd call me some morning about five thirty six o'clock he'd say hello this is Lester from down here in Texas he says I'll be up there in two weeks might have been a Thursday Friday night I don't know when he said and I said brother Roloff fine anytime you want to come the pulpit's open I said, I'm going to be in revival meeting, but you come on. That's fine. They want your church anyway. You know. 
That was him. He just, and he cut up all the time. What I started to say, sometime or another, we was out one day, and, and he was cracking at me, and I cracked one back at him. And I felt like I was in the presence of God when I was around him, and I, I, uh, I kind of got convicted. And I said, Brother Roloff, now get this. I said, Brother Roloff, I said, I'm sorry I said what I did to you. I said, I wouldn't hurt you for anything in the world. You know what that man said? He looked at me just as serious. He said, Bobby, if you hurt me, it's not your fault. It's my fault because I'm supposed to be dead and you can't hurt something dead. Well, I've never forgot that. I hope I never will forget it. Now, that's why he could get up and sing after he'd been in jail, uh, you know, fighting those battles down there with those political people. And, and that's why he never got bitter in his heart because he died daily. We need to do that. Well, anyway, Joshua's been on the way now, and they've been over there fighting in the land, and they've uh, not won all the victories, but almost all. And he's getting old now, and he's just about ready to go to glory. Now, I want you to notice something here. He's, he's reminding the people what they've been through, how God's blessed them. Now, look in verse, 20, uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 23. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. Now they kind of get in the breathing spot. Preacher, you like them breathing spots. You know, what he says here now, he says he's given a little rest to Israel now. Things are kind of quieting down. But he's getting old. And notice in verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders. And he's calling together the leaders. And for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. Look at verse 3. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Let me stop there. Now, folks, to enjoy the good life God's given us, number one, number one, keep some good memories all the time. That's what the Lord is telling this leader right here, or this leader is telling the people. He said, now let me remind you, I've got to go the way of the earth. It's about time for me to die. That's what he's saying. But he said, now, don't you forget that the Lord God has fought for you. There was one time he said those seven nations, all of them are greater than you, and God fought your battles. Keep those good things in your mind. When I've gone, Joshua said, you keep those good memories in mind, how the Lord God hath fought for you. Now listen to me just a minute, and I'll move on. I just got five points here. Well, listen to me. If some bad things has happened in your life, don't linger on those things. Don't linger. Uh, these psychiatrists, a Christian psychiatrist, I guess is all right if there is one. I don't know. But, but, but these psychiatrists, listen. We have folks in our church, and, and they have problems and, and nerve problems, and I know what nerve problems is. I, I had, at the age of 29 years old, I had a heart attack. And after that, a nervous breakdown, right in the middle of a church split. I mean, God's brought me through a lot of battles. That's been 29 years ago. Uh, but, but I know what it is, and I feel sorry for people who have those problems. But wait, wait a minute. In our, in our area, they'll go to, many of them will go to a psychiatrist. And they come back, and they're so depressed. And I said, how are you doing? Well, it's my 
child life. You know, I mean, my parents warped my personality when I was a kid. And, you know, and my daddy, he was so mean. He just cursed and, you know, he's a drinking man. And preacher, I'll just never be no better. Because, I mean, the psychiatrist said it's all stemming from my past life. And, and, and he's done got him under the juniper tree. You see what I'm saying? Uh, he's told him, I mean, I mean, no hope for you. Because uh, bad memories, bad memories, bad memories, bad memories. Well, Paul was a better psychiatrist than that. He said, there's one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things are behind. And let me tell you something. If you, wife, maybe 20 years ago, your husband might have, might have slapped you. <laughs> I hope he didn't. But, but, but listen, don't, don't keep that memory in mind. <laughs> Think about all them good times he's kissed you since then. Amen. You know, I mean, I made up my mind years ago. I'm not going by counter to those things that happened. And, and man, folks got out and campaigned against me. And, and uh, all my deacons resigned at one time. And uh, church split. And, and uh, said he's been around here long enough. He thinks he runs this place. I mean, I don't want to go back to all that junk. I don't even want to think about this stuff. Because i got too many good things to remember. I can remember how the Lord God fought for me. I can remember when I was in the hospital and late for 21 days and the doctor said, don't look like you'd make it. And I had a member, had a little cabin in the hills of Virginia and the doctor said he'll have to get away when we get him out of the hospital and my wife and my precious little children were just, me, just small kids at that time. I had one about a year and a half old. I had one, what, three years old and then the others were about six, five, six and seven or something like that. Uh, my children were small, and my wife and I, we went to that little hillside up in Virginia. And I wasn't able because of a heart attack those days. They wouldn't let you walk up a step or up a hill, and, and I, I could just walk around that little cabin. I couldn't go down a little knoll around, and all I could do was sit around that thing. And I remember the devil telling me my ministry was all over. We'd got up to about 500 in Sunday school and split and went back to about 250 or 300. That knocks the glory out of you. And I can remember those days, and I remember very well. I was sitting up there one day in the sun in a chair up against the eve of that little old cabin, and, and boy, God come down. Oh, He came down. Listen. I mean, I didn't see no 900-foot Jesus or nothing like that, but I'm telling you, God came down on that, uh, that little hillside and began to bless my soul, and just as real as I'm here tonight, God seemed to say, not in all the voice, but he said, Son, I'm going to restore your strength, and you're going to get to preach to more folks than you ever have. And I got up, and I couldn't go down the hill, but I went around the, I went around the cabin just praising God. Now, I'm going to remember them things. I'm going to remember them things. And I may die tonight with a heart attack, but I've had a few checkups since then. The doctor said, we don't understand it. We can't find no trace of you ever having any heart trouble. God, heal me. And I'm going to give him the glory for it. I'm just saying i got too many memories. The Lord's done fought too many battles for me rather to go back and think about the bad things. Bless God, I want to keep my mind on the good things. And I believe I can enjoy it. Look on the positive side, my friend. God's been good to you. Boy, you think about the battle. And let me tell you, I tell you, when you're going through a dilemma, uh, stop and think what he brought you through one time. And if he could bring you through that, he's still God. And that ought to be a stepping stone to help you to get up on the other one and keep going. 
Dr. Harold Seidler. Yeah, Dr. Seidler said he was up in Tennessee preaching one time. He said he spent most of his life away from home. He said, I was staying in the motel. He said, I was depressed. I wanted to go back to home to Greenville, South Carolina. He said, I went out to a little restaurant next to the motel, and I got me a sandwich. And I was sitting there. He said it was raining that day, and he said, just went on depressing like days, you know. He said, I was sitting there eating my sandwich, looking out the window, and I said, Lord, I sure would like to be back in Greenville, South Carolina. And he said, when I looked out the window, a little old bird was eating on a hamburger out there. He said, the Lord said to me, said, Harold, do you see that little bird out there eating that sandwich? said, I made a man stop in here. He made him think he was hungry, and he bought him a sandwich and said he eat one bite out of it, but I just want him to feed my birds. Amen. <laughs> Old Doc said, uh, Doc said, by the way, Lord, about that uh, homesickness, if you will, just forget about it. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Think of the good things. And that's what the Lord is saying here. Think of the good things. Uh, he said, don't you forget how the Lord hath fought your battles for you through the years. And then I want you to notice something else. Let's jump down to verse number uh, five, uh, six. Verse number six. He said, be therefore courageous, notice, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. And don't turn aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. Did you come not among these nations who the, these that remain among you neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done on this day. Now remember, here's the old preacher giving them some good advice how to enjoy their life. Number one, have good memories. Don't forget the battles he's fought for you. Number two, he said, you stay in the book of the law of Moses. Now what's he saying there? I'm saying, he's saying, have a good ministry. A good ministry. Now we think of the ministry, we think of a man who's been called to preach. But folks, God has a ministry for all of us. A ministry. Your ministry may be driving a bus. Your ministry may be working a bus route. Uh, when we announced the dads and the lads going off here this coming weekend, I believe on Friday night and Saturday and so on, and uh, your bus route needs to be worked, and the devil would say, well now, you know, you'd like to go, but you can't go because of your bus route, and, and you, that's all right, that's your ministry, stay in your ministry. I'm just saying if you can't do both, don't leave what your ministry is, stay in your ministry. That's what he said. Have a good ministry here. He said, now let me tell you, there's a few of these people, Joshua said out here, a few of them are still serving the gods. If you'll notice that in verse 7, he said, don't you even make mention of their God. He said, this crowd that's, uh, that's not serving the true and living God, it's not standing for old time religion, he said, don't bother that crowd. He said, you have a good ministry yourself. Don't you shipwreck. Now, it's sad that these people did years later. But he said, you have a good ministry. Now, how can we have a good ministry? All right, let me just give you some thoughts quickly. Don't never get away from soul winning. Don't never do that. You see, when a man gets backslid, he gets away from soul winning. He'll say, well, I don't know where they're all saved or not made professions. Well, I don't know either, but God knows. You see, I've never saved anybody yet. My, my, mine don't last. 
you see. And yours don't last. And God hasn't told me to save them. God's told me to witness. You see, God's told me to sow the seed and, and to water the seed, and God gives the increase. I tell you the truth, I never would have thought Lot was saved, but the Bible tells me he was. I have a pretty good idea when uh, uh, old Andrew, you know, one time I have an idea he thought didn't do no good for me to talk to my brother Simon Peter. He done cursed God and left. But, but he was saved. I think when he come, come back to the Lord over there on the day of Pentecost and was preaching uh, that powerful message and 3,000 got saved, I wonder if old Andrew wouldn't stand back in the corner and say, hey, that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? Friend, there's nothing like soul winning. Soul winning, soul winning. And stay at it. That's a good ministry. Work at it. Think of somebody this week that you can witness to. Somebody on the job. Uh, keep you some prospects all the time. Just trying to reach people for Jesus. Uh, don't never get away from that ministry. Now that's a good ministry. And stick with it and stay with it as long as you live. Soul winning, soul winning. Some years ago, I led a young man to the Lord down in, they call it Dry Holler. You know where it's got its name, Dry Holler? Because of so much bootlegging liquor there, that's why. But uh, 20-some years ago, I led this young man to Christ. And he went off to Bible school. Got him a job in Winston-Salem. And there was a man named Frank Shoemate he worked with. He got to witnessing to Frank and led Frank to Christ. And the verse speller I, that, that I led to the Lord, he was called to preach and been pastoring the church 12 miles from me for the last 12, 14 years, one of my preacher boys. And the fellow Frank that he led to Christ has been my associate pastor for three and a half years now. I mean, you just go on. There's nothing like soul winning. Now, that's a good ministry. And then while you're soul winning, just live a separated life. I mean, listen, folks, we're living in such a compromise, and I'm not going to call things names tonight. We live in such a compromising age today, it's sad. Listen, if something was a sin 25 years ago, it's a sin tonight. And, and let's just don't try to, uh, you know, sugarcoat it over. Have a good ministry. Be a separated, not separated nothing, but separated to Christ. And, and, and just keep loving people. Just keep on loving people. I mean, that's a good ministry. Just love people, you know. Just love people. God has different ministries. Uh, we have a lady in our church. It would scare her to death to ask her to stand up and give a testimony. But she said, there's one thing I can do. I can send get well cards. And that woman will get, card, get names, and we have a long list. I can't tell you when we've ever been. We didn't have people in four or five hospitals. Lots of times I'll visit 10 and 12 people in one hospital. A lot of times. I try to go at least twice a week myself. And uh, anyway, I, I visit them. And I don't know what the people have said. Pastor, before you leave, said, uh, I've got a card here from uh, Ms. Maud Canner. Such a beautiful card. Could you tell me who she, where she sits in church? And I'll tell them, you know. And see, she says, that's a ministry. Folks, when we think of the ministry, we think of things off up here or something, but God doesn't operate that way. You see, everything, even a cup of cold water given to a child of God, that's a ministry. And so you love people and, and, and have a good ministry and, and pray and so on. That's what he's telling them here. Then I want you to jump down to, page, uh, to verse 3, uh, 11, excuse me, verse 11. I'm trying to hurry. Verse 11, look what he said. I like these words, take good. You notice those good words in there? 
Take good heed. Now he's warning the people. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Not to your neighbors now, but to yourselves. We always want to straighten somebody else out. He said, take good heed to yourselves that you do what? Love the Lord your God. Make sure you stay in love with Jesus. Stay in love with him. When you get to the place that everybody's hypocrites, you're not in love with Jesus any longer. Because when we keep our eyes on Jesus, no matter about the hypocrites, keep your eyes on him. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.